Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of Science Finest. In this episode, I'm going to be joined by JK and Jason Breggy, and we are going to be talking about loft cats. Um, before we get into that, there was just a few things that I wanted to mention, discuss, bring up. First off, um, for those of you who aren't actively following the Slack, we announced yesterday that um, Jamal, Ryan Jamal Stripling, he passed away yesterday. He had been struggling with cancer. He'd been diagnosed in late spring. And it was, he, he was incredible. He was just an absolutely incredible man, an incredible friend, an incredible brother. He actually came out to Utah. He was, uh, he would grade papers or something like grade AP tests or something. Uh, he taught English lit of some kind in Arkansas and he was just an incredible person and watching the tributes pour in, I stalked it, you know, I stalked him. Um, I was following it on Facebook it's just so clear that Ryan just made such an impact on the lives of everyone that he met and, you know, God bless him. Like what a man. And it's incredible that we were able to share in his life. Um, for those of us who played with him, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of us got beat by him. He's just, it was just awesome. And he was always enthusiastic, always brimming with intelligence and ideas and insight and it was just incredible i i loved him it was it was really sad because when he came out to utah he was worried about what was going on because they didn't quite know and then obviously he just got bad news after bad news and despite all of it he just maintained the most incredible attitude he's an example to us all and so we just want to um wish his family the best. He's got a, a wife and a, a young boy and I'm praying for them both. And man, what an, uh, what, what a light, what a light. So anyway, um, if you're, I would encourage you to, um, check in on the Slack. I think what we're going to be doing is reaching out to his wife just to see if there's anything we can do. Obviously we did a GoFundMe over the summer to help him pay with some of his medical bills and, you know, we're going to, I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to do like a similar thing, but we're going to reach out and see if there's anything that they need us to do. Obviously we're kind of disparate. So, um, if we have details, we'll post them on the Slack. Okay. So there's that. Um, also in other news on, uh, Thanksgiving, November 28th. So a week ago, uh, was the two year anniversary of the podcast and it passed without, I'd, I'd thought about recording something, but it was Thanksgiving, and it was just kind of a crazy season, so I didn't, um, which I now terribly regret, um, but I just wanted to thank everyone. I cannot believe it's been two years. Obviously, we've slowed down a lot in the last six months since Worlds, um, but we're I'm intending to keep keep it going until LVO is when I'm planning on kind of closing, closing up shop. We're obviously going to keep playing through Worlds, and I think that at that point, we will be done. Um, but man, what a run. I would never have imagined that we would have gone as far as we did and has had as much success as we did. And I've said that a million times and I will keep saying it. I cannot thank everyone enough for the support that they've given through Patreon and through the podcast. I'm going to be designing a token that's going to be going out to all of our patrons as like our, our closer. Um, we're going to be doing, I'm going to, once I have 18 minutes of free time, I'm going to get that designed and get it to Highbridge. Um, so keep keep yourself posted for that. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. I want to do now. I'm I want to not something that's like a like a with Jamal's face on it, but I do want something uh, some reference to him because he has been a loyal supporter of the Slack and the and Patreon, just our efforts from the from the very beginning. So um, it'll be something awesome. Okay, with that being the case. Now, the next bit of news is that regionals are going. Utah's regional is going to be this weekend. We've been skirmishing a lot um, to practice, get ourselves ginned up for it. It's going to be a ton of fun. I know that there's going to be a lot more regionals that are going to be happening. SoCal's regional is um, also the, this Saturday. I think that North Carolina's is the following week. Actually, I'm almost positive that's the case. Um, we're going to keep having regionals throughout um, the Christmas season and into January. Then in January is LVO. And then two months after LVO is Worlds. So, man, what what a me uh, melee that we shall be descending into. Um, there's not really any other major news, obviously. I, I encourage everyone to listen to the Built on Hope podcast, especially if you are interested in the IACP. They are an incredible resource. They've got tons of enthusiasm. 
Uh, and so it's the gals and Isaac Borno. It's got tons of enthusiasm, and it's just exactly what the community needs in order to keep that aspect of the project going. So if you're not subscribed to them, please do. Also, make sure to leave them a five-star review on iTunes or whatever it is that you use to listen to your podcast, because that's how they're going to get found on uh, whatever science, math, algorithm stuff that produces that. Okay, that's all I got. I want to tell everybody how grateful I am for all the support that they continue to give us. I want to make sure that everyone, um, everyone who knew Jamal, takes some time to check in on the Slack, just you know, to make sure that if 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 you want to be involved, if there's something that we're going to be doing that you can be involved in. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope everyone had a awesome Thanksgiving and is going to have a awesome Merry Christmas and holiday season. It is going to be a lovely few months in the lead up to LVL. Let's turn it over to Jakey and Jason. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 112 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown and I'm joined by two brothers, Jason Breggy. Hello everybody. And JK is back. What's up? Two in a row, suckers. Oh wait, no, you had one in there somewhere, huh? Uh, did, I don't think I did. Not since oh. our last one. <laughs> Suckers. You have to listen to me twice. <laughs> oh, they love you, JK. They love you. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Jason and JK, as some people might or might not know, people pro- sh- might know with Jason, have been running the cats recently. And I really wanted to get these guys on because um, if there is, I don't want to call it a spoiler, but if there is a list that I have not worried about, and I am now really worried about it is um, cats. And the biggest problem is, is that the only thing that I th- can think of that's strong against them is Vader and the Jets, which is a list I absolutely don't want to run. I think like scum, pirates, like everybody is. I, I don't know how anyone doesn't struggle against this list, but that's why I want to get these brothers on. But first off, let's do a, a quick um, reintroduction, Jason. Um, tell everybody, just give us a quick intro as to your Imperial Assault playing. Yeah, so I'm Jason Breggy from Raleigh, North Carolina. I've got a local play group with uh, Ryan Janway, uh, uh, Average Joe Gamer, and David, and a few other people that have uh, been on here before or have done well in other tournaments. Uh, so I started playing competitively January 2018, top eight at a regional. Then last fall, around this time of year, I played in the uh, Louisville specter bowl preview regional where we had <laughs> six out of eight specters oh, and yeah. uh, came in second in that one and then uh made it to worlds and and had a blast there it was just fun getting to getting to know everybody and i was uh, unfortunately in that illustrious group of people who finished four and two and missed the cut so mm. like right there with like ryan jamal ryan janeway mark neely isaac like all of us are sort of right there in that 17 to 22 range so but it was it was a total blast getting to know getting to meet everybody in the community and totally totally fun. Yeah. Then uh, after Worlds, I sort of put down the game for a couple months just to recover from uh, Spectre fatigue. <laughs> and the first list that I picked back up was David Gow's Lothcats list. I just said this looks like fun. I'd actually seen him playing that list the day before Worlds when a bunch of us were just doing practice games, and I thought it was crazy. And so yeah. I loved seeing how well he did at Worlds with that list. And I said, all right, let's just give this a try. And so experimented with it and then ultimately ended up running a Lothcats list to top four at Nova. And I think, as you mentioned, Kenny, I mean, Lothcats lists have actually done pretty well in the meta since Spectre. I think in, well, David Gow won the UK Nationals running a Lothcats list. And I think you've seen at least one, if not two lists in sort of top four or top eight of most nationals and like Euros and uh, Gen Con and some of those tournaments. So sort of it's showing up in the top cut of uh, most of the major tournaments in some fashion or another. So so for me, I I really started the list just like I said, as an homage to David, I said, this is just awesome. I want to try it and chatted with him a little bit about sort of his thoughts on the list and how he changed it. And, and I'll circle back in a minute to sort of what I varied and how I've, how I've sort of made the list my own. But the, the way I see it is there are sort of four archetypes of Lothcat lists. And, you know, feel free to disagree, JK, once I describe oh, them. I, I don't but, have that much Lothcat theory down yet, so it's okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nobody's theorized that much on Lothcats yet. I can't imagine. I mean, we're going to talk about this in a second. <laughs> we're going to turn the corner today. <laughs> Here we go. So, so I see, like, I see, sort of a hunters with a splash of cats. Yep. And so that's where you might add one set of cats, and the only cat-specific command card you add is something like Deathblow. And so that's where you'll have like a middle-middle hunters list, sort of like I think what the two of you guys ran at Worlds last yep. year. But instead of a weak way, you put in Beast Chamber and one set of cats. Then you also have sort of an IG list where, again, instead of a set of weak ways, you put in a set of cats and Beast Chamber. And similarly, you might have like a nine act list, a sort of nine act hunter list where you throw in a set of cats. And so that's sort of the it's really a hunter's list. And you've got a couple cats there just to have some versatility. Then I think sort of like what David Gow ran is more of a point manipulation Yes. With a, with a splash of cats. And so he had the Hondo, Sabine, many victory point cards, Black Market, and he was just trying to get a point edge on the big specter of the day. So that that's sort of a variant of it. Then you have the Beast list. And that I don't think we've really seen that competitively. I don't I, think so either. I, I ran at a store tourney, like two Elite Lothcats, one regular Lothcat, an Elite Nexu, a Rancor, Gideon, and 3PO. Oh, it was man. a blast, and you put a evade token on two evade tokens on your Nexu, bomb them in there. I mean, you can have a ton of fun with that, but that's oh. not oh. It's, it's it's not really top meta competitive. But but sort of you could have that beast list as as an archetype. Yeah, and, and then the final one is sort of cats as a focal point, but still balanced with hunters, and and that's how I would characterize the list that I ended up running which had two sets of lock cats. And instead of just sort of death blow only, I had three to four dedicated cards that I would use with the cats and then sort of have the ability to pivot into either hunter mode or cat mode, depending upon what, what the map or the mission or the opponent presented me with. So, so my, my list was uh, Sabine, Jabba, Onar, Greedo, two sets of Elite Lothcats, 3PO, and my fun card that I ran was Last Resort. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. Awesome. Actually, uh, before, we, uh, before we keep going, I want to ask you guys a question. Why do you think it is that cats were not played until David Gao and then Jason at Nova? And now I think, I think that at, there will be at least one list at that does well at every regional. Why do you guys think it wasn't until now that people started playing cats? Jason, what do you think? I think they're just deceptive. Anything that has five health feels just so underpowered in this meta. Yeah. You look at it and you say five health, anybody can one shot that. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, go ahead, JK. I was just going to add, uh, they, yeah, the five health, but it's also, you look at six points and it, and they're, they're just a funny, I think there's such a funny point value that you were like, well, I'd rather pay one more for blah, 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 or one less for Vinto, or you're comparing it to all these other, other scum things where if you don't really look at what they are by themselves, then you don't get the, like, like they, they feel like they come up short in the raw with a comparison to other, other figures. Mm, yes. And, and the Pierce one doesn't feel all that impressive until you realize that it adds up over time. And yeah. the ability to give yourself a damage token and pierce one, just it, it, it can build up. And then you see the focus, but the focused profile when they're focused, their damage profile is just so different. Yeah. And I think that, I think that just took people a long time to realize. And everybody was too busy either hating specter or playing specter. Hmm. Yeah. That might actually makes total sense. I also think it is the case that, and it's kind of like what we've said before where they fit in this weird spot in terms of their point cost, but more like in terms of like, they're not hunters. They cannot play the best cards in the game. They can't play on the lamb. They can't play the hunter suite, right? Like they're not, they're just very straightforward in terms of what they're going to do. Now you don't know what it is they're going to do until you see them with beast tamer, right? Or, you know, like they're, they're focused with beast tamer and, 
death blow, right? Like that's like when you actually see, oh, this appears straightforward, but actually it's the case that this thing that they're going to be able to do very consistently is terrifying. But I think that's that's kind of like the initial thought. You're like, oh, well, like what are the good creature cards? Ferocity, who cares, right? Like it just doesn't seem like um, they've got anything that wows you until you see them in action. Yeah, and uh, the the pounce, like we played with Nexu for so long that you're like, oh, the pounce three is just not a big... Not a big thing, but eight spaces is a lot. Yes, and it then is. And thirteen spaces, even like it doesn't even make sense until you really start counting it out. How far you can go with them? Yeah, it's just and then just yeah to get the attack off. Uh, you're. I mean, we've talked about this, but it's you know the green, green, blue when they're focused is you're sitting in that five to six damage area, and against the white dice, you're just. Um, the pierce is going through it's, it's, as, it's lo- as long as they don't dodge it doesn't matter yeah and it's not only and that's the thing we i do actually want to talk about this later because man it feels real bad to have a white die going against um one of those cats i mean obviously rolling a dodge is amazing but obviously most of the time you're not and then your dice don't matter because most of the time i it seems like those cats have got more than one surge or they're not wasting surges most of the time and oh, it hurts to take like know that you're gonna take a five or six damage shot that you just cannot prevent every you know from these guys. So it hurts real bad. Yeah, JK, that's interesting. I mean, I'm actually still afraid of going into white dice a lot of times because of the dodge risk. But yeah, but that's interesting to hear it from a white die aficionado that maybe I don't need to be as afraid. I mean, it's great to roll a dodge, but so and JK and I talked about this. I we were playing on Lothal. I I. I put sabine a little too far forward thinking that like oh it's good because he'll have to commit but then jk commits and with i mean he had a focus cap but with death blow he rolled what eight nine damage or something, something. Like that. i yeah. mean and you know it's like my i didn't roll a dodge and so it didn't matter what i rolled and that yeah. oh it, it just hurts so jk what made you decide to pick up cats uh it was interesting uh i liked cats uh, coming back a year ago I kept looking at them thinking to myself, those are like, like, I wish they had something with them. And I kind of wanted to run them with uh, the Bantha a little, but I just, on Lothal, the Bantha just doesn't, isn't usable. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of, w- once I saw David do his thing and just kind of think about them, I wanted to give him a shot. And the the thing that's cool about them is they're, again, we talked about this, but they're like the, they're point to point missiles where you can't, can't just hide someone and hope for the best like they're going to find you yeah and i think it just changes up the hunter like like you can go rush in you don't have to rush in you could just sit there and 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 focus up if you really wanted to but yeah you they just do a cool change to they do enough of a change to the hunter suite that it's interesting and then also yeah aaron um aaron was talking about running them and i was like yeah i would like to i want to see what's up with them so Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And maybe that transitions a little bit into, into this strategy benefit, but just the biggest point is the constant board pressure that oh, they yes. apply. Oh, and, man, and it's, yes. you're reaching around corners and you're, you're changing the archetype of board pressure. You're used to either a linear line of sight pressure that's applied by your Rangers or your weak ways or your other sniper type units. And you know, okay, move to shoot, move to back. And here are the danger zones. Here are the safe spots. And I guess unshakable Vader changed that a little bit by saying, okay, here's Vader's range of move to you, push you out of the way and swat you. Yeah. But even that is pretty linear and it's eight spaces. Once he's been moved by his officers, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a couple more with a movement card or two, but you, you sort of know, what to expect there. And if you have that happen, you know that Vader is in your grill and you have a lot of shots at him. Yeah. And, and, and so I think they just create such a different type of board pressure and that either forces a good player to really play around and not be able to do the type of engagement they'd like to do. Or for somebody who hasn't seen them, they just get wrecked. Yeah. I mean, that, that happened at Nova a few times where people just left a drock that wasn't wasn't chained to 3PO and he's gone in two shots or she's yeah. gone in two shots. It's so true. 
That is so absolutely true. Um, I want to let, let me let's talk a little bit about the iterations that we're running in terms of what we think the the merit is and what you maybe what you want to experiment. Jason, when's your guys' regional? So we have it January eleventh. Okay. I think. Okay, so let's talk about iterations, the iterations that we think people will play, like what we're thinking about playing by we, I mean the Royal We. What do you guys think about playing in terms of practice? JK, let's start with you. Um, so right now I'm running that, uh, that double-double with, replaced with the, replacing the, the second weak way that, that uh, Jason talked about a second ago. The other one I want to look at is removing Java and running R2 and Mach for mm, spies i hate this idea so bad um you so you get to nine activations you lose focus which is a bad thing against empire which is a big thing right now yeah. um but you are able to control the board a little bit more like like against a, a box list or whatever you're sitting there you can either play just int leak or strat shift and you have just so much more control over everything and you're not losing a ton of firepower. You just kind of have to play it a little differently. Yeah. But you're also benefiting from holding back and waiting for a chance to leak out a, on the lamb or whatever. Awesome. And what about, what do you think, Jason? I like the, uh, the idea of the nine act there. Jabba stays in my list because of the trade value that he gives. And I think that helps when... A jet is now worth five points instead of four, or oh, a smuggler is worth three, and it, it sort of changes most of the trade math. If it and and with me running two sets of cats, I have, I will trade a couple cats. It's inevitable that I will yep. trade some cats, and so Jabba helps me change the trade math, and so I'm not sure that I'll lose Jabba at any point. But I love, I love the spy flavor and that is something that I'm experimenting with because it gives control, especially against people that I tend to play that like box lists who shall remain nameless, but <laughs> Kenny oh, and Jeremy. Yeah, That's right. I, I, I don't, I've never run into anyone who runs the box list constantly. <laughs> you, you can only, you can only face going into seven cards where you know that half of them will neutralize your entire attack. You can only do that so many times before you decide to try to get rid of those cards. Oh, man. That's actually why I am terrified. JK has played the box. JK and Scott have played the box the most times, and that they both run spies just hurts my heart. Or when they decide to run spies, that just really hurts. Um, okay, so with that being the case, help me out a little bit in terms of understanding like what the command card choices are so if you're running two sets of cats i assume you might want to go a little bit heavier in terms of like uh command cards that you're teching for that is that not the case jason what do you think yeah so so the way that i viewed it sort of starting on my list development from david gow's list was the trades for me were hondo or a second set of cats thinking through the one point upgrade whether it's doubt extra armor, black market, devious, or last resort, and then the command deck. And sort of trading out Hondo for a second set of cats caused a corresponding trade on the command deck side. So on the lamb, really isn't that great if all you have is Greedo yeah. as a smuggler. No, that's and, a good so, point. and that gives you three points. That gives you, That frees up some nice points to use on other cards. And so going with the second set of cats, I said, all right, I'm going to experiment with Wild Fury, Ferocity, Pummel, To the Limit, Pack Alpha, Price on their head. Sort of experiment with some of those cards in the one and two cost to fill that gap from On the Lamb and, and maybe another one-point card. So that I, I've run, I think, three cat-specific cards in that list for quite some time now. And I feel like that helps me use beast tamer helps me use my command deck more efficiently where I will have a cat left around to use wild fury in round three. If I happen to draw it late in the game and there will be people close, you get somebody within with within three to five to eight spaces and I can get two good attacks. in. so that's that's sort of how I ended up escalating to the second set of cats is it gave me, more guaranteed value from good beast-specific or creature-specific cards. 
Are you running Pack Alpha? Is that the card? That is one. So Pack Alpha is a fascinating card. So yeah. when it came out, I think all of us said, wow, that seems like a worse version of, what is it? Uh, not targeting network. What's the... Uh, navigation. Triangulate. Navi- oh, triangulate. Tri- triangulate. That's it, yep. Right. It's like it's a worse version of triangulate. <laughs> it's limited to, to creatures, and you have to be adjacent to them to get up to three damage. Well, that's no good. But strike the damage completely and look at the card again. It's move three amazing attackers, three spaces each, increasing your threat range from the beginning of that round from eight spaces, eight spaces, and 13 spaces to 11, 11, and 16. Oh, my gosh. It's brutal. Oh, oh my gosh. You do that on Maul, and suddenly every single space is in range. Oh, I mean, my you're gosh. You're getting into their deployment zone. Oh, and, man. And, and it's, you do it sixth activation, and they've already got five activations sitting out there vulnerable. And it's a game changer. So it, I, I was sort of surprised at how good that card ended up being. And you can't run it with just one set. It's not no. worth it with one set. But with that second set, basically your 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 B set of Lothcats gives the first the A set of Lothcats two damage tokens, and if you're lucky, pushes them both three spaces. Wow, man, that's crazy. Um, J.K., what are you running in in your list? Like what? Uh, cat specific cards you uh have. currently i'm running ferocity and death blow uh but i think because i'm only running the single set that i would i'm gonna drop ferocity just because my like i i basically have one round to do it yeah I'm, I'm expecting both of them to just die early round one or, or early early round two um unless i have a chance to uh you know, hang out and like, unless, you know, Lethal wastes, I can just sit there for a while. Yeah. And cause I'm not just, I mean, you can get to their deployment zone still, but you're just, you want to like, it's, it's not worth the one target they're going to present. And so I think I'm just going to run death blow for a minute. Okay. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think that's it for now. I thought about, I toyed around with playing, uh, dying lunge uh because it's just a crazy amount of like three extras or two extra spaces however many extra spaces and the attack is can be a huge thing but it's two points and that's a lot for when i'm trying to run hunter list where i already have 12 taken up basically yeah yeah that's totally fair yeah and both of those are cards that i played around with and thought about and i could never pull ferocity off like it's either if you're and, and maybe that's because I was running seven acts and running up against a lot of six or seven act lists, but you either get your cat in there and they die to a Vader or yep. a Han end of round. Yeah. In which case the ferocity is not gonna happen. Or you get in there last and you avoid that end of round, but or you get in there first and you avoid that end of round, but then then you die and you don't get the end of round start of round swing. So I, I just could never really find ferocity to work as well as I thought it did. But my proxy for that same puzzle is why I use last resort, the exploding kittens. Okay. Let's, let, let's talk about that. So how let, let, let's actually talk about this in terms of like um, uh, strategy and gameplay, right? So cats, like what it seems after having watched them be played, um, it seems like what they do is your opponent is going to post up m- maybe defensively if they know what the cats can do or not defensively if they either don't know what the cats can do or don't really suspect that like what's about to happen is going to happen. Um, so with that being the case, it seems like the cats, like their job is to you know exert pressure and then bomb in, remove some high-profile figure bef- that your opponent really can't do a whole lot about absorb some hits, and then while your hunters or whoever come in to clean up. Now, obviously, that's probably a little bit different if you're running two sets of cats, but, like, that seems to be the the cat plus hunter strategy, right? Jason, so tell us how that is different when you're running two cats, like, what, and now with last resort, like, what's the plan? Like, how how, how does it work now? Yeah, so with, with two cats, the two sets of cats, I have a set that's going to be sort of held in reserve for end-of-game cleanup. 
Okay. And that's end of game cleanup 13 spaces out. So that is super valuable to hit the figure that has run back into its own deployment zone or to hit whoever Sabine is wounded with a grenade and sort of take those, those end of game cleanup type shots. And so I have essentially a initial cat phase, a hunter phase and a cleanup cat phase. Mm. And and you lean, you can lean it a little bit differently depending on what you draw on your command deck, but you have that optionality. And so the initial cat phase, so having the exploding kittens, so I just run it on one set of them, but having a set of exploding kittens really helps dampen, or at least I found that it dampens the end of round swing risks. So you put a exploding kitten next to somebody's box, they're suddenly really reluctant to shoot at it with Han. Yep. Because... Not only because, it, okay, it could deal three damage on everybody, but it's there's a psychological factor of, I did it to myself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually really huge, I think, in the gameplay. Is it, is it just creates this psychological puzzle of, do I get rid of this thing that I need to get rid of before it reactivates next round and makes it all the way into my deployment zone or removes another figure, or, or, or do I just shoot it and know that I'm shooting myself in the foot? And so yeah. that's that's a really valuable conundrum to put players into and even just trying to play around it i mean it is definitely possible to play around the cart and just never put anybody adjacent and never trigger it but the hijinks and the mental math that you have to do to do that is taxing on your opponent and so i i, I like that effect and, and then there are sometimes when it just legitimately does amazingly so I had a game sort of early on in the testing where I was playing against a a friend who is a very, very good player, very good Vader player who I'll keep unnamed for the sake of, uh, of, uh, of his dignity. But he, he, he was playing the Vader jets list with Thrawn and put Thrawn on his terminal on the mall map with two officers next to him. I bombed a cat in dealt six damage to his Thrawn and was within two spaces of Vader. So end of round, his Vader comes in, swats the cat, cat releases his thermal detonator, hitting three more damage on everybody. Kills oh Thrawn, kills, kills two officers. officers. Celebration plus the three points for Jabba. 17 points. Holy Hannah. Holy <laughs> smokes. <laughs> Oh, we, we, we killed the game. We killed the game on Vassal. It was basically a, a table flip, and we uh, we played another map. Yeah, but, but absolutely. Like, He's like, all right, so, we're done. So, so you have that possibility. <laughs> oh man! So, wow. so that that was sort of part of the fun factor of it. But it, you do have that possibility of just sort of game wrecking results with that that card. And and I found that doubt. I don't have doubt targets when I throw my cats out there because they're going the opponent is going to use a focused resource to go after that cat and so i don't have as many targets of focuses to get rid of with doubt at the end of mm. a round that is so interesting so very very interesting i also think though it's interesting that we, we you talk about with um last resort like your opponent doesn't want to do something in order to like increase your action economy right like he blows up your cat for you which then does all this damage but there's also the case like that puts your opponent in a really hard position because he's like well if i don't attack this cat right because i don't want him to blow himself up and do all this all these other things that is another free attack that i'm giving him and not only am i giving him another free attack like i'm giving him a free attack with the possibility of still continuing to explode in the future right and that just becomes really scary to have to deal with if you are not, even if you've got a lot of durability, right? Like free damage is free damage. And that is just a really, um, it just puts a lot of pressure on your resources in terms of if you're, you know, taking this extra damage from these cat kills, all of a sudden your other guys are a lot easier to kill, right? Because they've taken heat, you know, Vader took three free damage from a grenade and you're like, oh, that's three free, dam- three free damage, but you're... You, the word on the street is is that hunters can you know get through that 12 or 13 damage and it's it's it, it, i don't know it just puts you in a, a scarier position i think so it's interesting very very interesting but 
What do you, uh, you got any thoughts or comments for us, JK? Uh, no, I just, yeah, like, I think there's so much about IA that is that is that mental game of, of okay, I can't step here, I can't, I can't move this, I can't attack here, I don't want to, like, like you don't want to waste anything on small targets, and Lothcats are a small target. Like you kind of look at Onar and Greedo and weakways and whatever else is on the other side and you're like okay well i want to kill those things but yes i guess i'll just attack a attack a loth cat um and on top of that i've used it to i mean i think on all but maybe one of the games i've played i've tried to take their terminal round one yes which i've done it on yeah with all like on all of them because you you can yeah and absolutely. so i will just take I'll take the card advantage and with, you know, with Jabba. And then if you play black market, you're, you're up two to three cards in a turn in turn one. And so you're at worst balanced with like rule by fear, but chances are you're probably up the card advantage on them. And those, you know, hunters like they like cards. Yeah. And it's also the case, like in terms of talking about um, psychological, damage just what the cats do and i i've said this i said this last like when i talked with jk and also i was on the built on hope podcast with david gow and isaac and jessica and one thing i talked about with david was the same where what cats do is they present this problem for your opponent that they have never really had to account before especially if they had it's kind of weird although it's actually kind of appropriate if they haven't played against the bantha before like, the first time you play against the Bantha, you don't realize how far it can go and it not how far it can go, what it can go through, and how much damage it can do. Like, those are things you're just not quite used to. And so the first time it does it, it just blindsides you, right? Like, it disorients you. And that is what I have thought with cats in terms of their ability to take your opponent's um, terminal to alpha characters off that you were not expecting to get alpha it's just really really scary it's a really really scary thing to play against that that first time so yeah and it's it's weird because i think it goes in cycles and this might even be a similar cycle that you see with people playing against you in your box kenny so i think there's the initial i've never seen this before i don't know what to do yep and and, and you screw up as a result and you put people in positions where they just get one shot, or in the case of the box, they just don't move quickly enough to get there, and you get all of your cards and you can defend. Yep. And then you have the sort of ascendancy of, I've seen it enough to know what it can do and to be afraid of it or crippled by what I have to do. Yes. And so in the against the box, it's, I need to rush, but I don't want to rush. I need to rush. I don't want to rush. Crap, I just got stuck in no man's land and I lost. Yep, that is exactly and, right. And, and that happens, I think, against cats where you're suddenly keeping everybody 14 spaces away and <laughs> they're not able to do anything 14 spaces away. And yep. so it, you sort of have that second curve of they've seen it enough, but they're still beaten by it. And I think maybe like the box, once you've played against it, a couple dozen times you, you figure out okay here's how i need to attack it and and you get a little bit more confidence in it but i i think we're we're still in those first and second phases of i agree Lothcat lists i agree i mean i am in that phase with the box i also think and maybe this is just because i've kind of been terrified by playing cats i think the box is uniquely weak to the cats in that the box needs some time in order to draw cards, um, to generate focus, to, you know, take out a figure from range um, with Han, you know, to kind of like scare your opponent a little bit. Like, I just need time, like, I, or at least more than a round. I can take, if I, all I have is a round, that's fine. Um, but if I am from round one instantly having to think about um, keeping MHD alive is the best example. If MHD dies round one, I don't know if I have ever won a game with a box where MHD died round one. I also can, I, I mean, I cannot think of many games where it has happened, uh, except like with Spectre and things like that. Um, but 
if that happens, like that is how I, that's how you lose games. And the cats can do that even better than Spectre can in terms of they can bomb in, like um, Jason was saying, Dracotta, if she's not by 3PO. And honestly, even if she was by 3PO, we were playing a game where I played Brace for Impact with Dracotta. I didn't roll well, um, but I still took five or six damage. And then the next cat came in and killed her, right? And like that's two hits and she's gone. And that I there's nothing I can do to protect against that except play Miracle Worker is really scary in terms of that investment. So, yeah, I totally agree. And and I think there are also some other examples of ways that the cats can alter the game or sort of exert that pressure. So I, I think the ability to just eliminate a focuser to just take out three PO, take out Gideon without repercussion. Yep. is i mean it's it's better than doubt it's getting oh, yes. rid of an activation and it's getting rid of that focus permanently for the rest yeah. of the game so and true it's, obviously you want to take out attackers too but if given the chance taking out a gideon or a 3po is is really worthwhile and then something else that i've seen happen is or that i've, I've started exploring more is using the cat to get on the lamb out Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. So that might be where somebody has Han or Ezra in a semi-exposed position because I'm assuming they have on the lamb. And rather than going and hitting that Han or Ezra who is semi-exposed and forcing them to use on the lamb and get back into safety, I go across the map and I shoot Hera, who Mm -hmm. I can one-shot with a halfway decent roll and more, more easily if I've got death blow. So I go get... Hera, and then they're in the conundrum of, okay, do I just lose Hera, or do I play on the lamb? And then, oh, crap, Ezra is now exposed to my hunter shot that's coming next. Yep, absolutely. And and that seems to be a really sort of high-value move. It feels bad to to bomb the cat in and trade it for on the lamb, but if that means that Han is now vulnerable... It's, it's potentially a, a, a really worthwhile trade. I, I, to- I think that's right. And it, again, it's just one of those things where the more times you make your opponent make choices like this, decisions where they're not sure what it is they're supposed to do, right? Because most of the time, the, the answer is easy. If Han is attacked and he's going to take, you know, more than five or six damage, you play on the land, right? And like, that's just an easy choice to make. Um, and you're you're setting yourself up and you're playing the game in such a way so that you can take advantage of that decision. I'm going to put Han in a place so that when you attack him, I'm going to play on the lamb, which I am now going to be able to further leverage his position, right? Like, that's why it's such an incredibly good card. Now, all of a sudden, like, the scenario Jason has presented, you cannot do that. Now you're, you're in this place where you're thinking, okay... If I play on the lamb, like Han can die, right? Or I'm going to lose like this other thing. Like it just like weakens the list altogether because it's not just weakening um, Hera, right? Be, or, you know, it's not like just sacrificing Hera, but it's putting yourself in, the, in this position where you can't put Han where you need to put him because you can't be certain that you're going to be able to play lamb or have to play lamb when you need to play. It's just scary. Like it's a really, really scary calculus to, to have to make. So. Sorry, I was, I was just going to add that. Yeah, like. Because there's a ton of people who are playing that box style nowadays, and having played the box a lot, you have to pull cards. Like, yeah. you, you sit there and you think to yourself, well, I can't do this because he might have this, or I can't do this because he might have this. He has everything. Like, like you have to assume that your, computer, that your opponent has everything yep. and just pull the cards. Because yep. if, if you wait and wait and wait until you have everything and they have everything the attrition goes to them because you're eventually going to run out of cards that you can use and they will sit there and heal with MHD and just over and over and just blunt and blunt and blunt. Yep, that is absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. Tell me now, in terms of strategy, let's talk about what we think about playing against the Empire because I think that's the hardest list for this um, for these cats to take, mostly because Empire has have got the bodies in order to both trade with cats right like because your cats are rarely going to one-shot a jet trooper i mean if you if you play death blow maybe you're, you've got better chances but they just got lots of ways to keep them alive at one now jason is running sabine right jason yes yes i'm running sabine as well so that kind of helps like with that math a little bit right in terms of um you you can 
satis- you can you can be satisfied with only doing six damage because Sabine's going to come in with a cleanup grenade and even five damage. Um, but tell me like what it is that you guys think you do against a list that can match in terms of board presence. Now it's not as explosive of board presence, but like jets can just be everywhere on the board, you know, taking up all of the objectives. And two of the, like one of them could one shot a a cat that's not outside their own possibility cats only have five health and they're rolling a black die so it's not likely but it's possible um but they're definitely like in two shots they're going to kill every one of those cats so what like what's what, what do you guys think in terms of how how do you play against that how do you mitigate that risk jason let's start with you yeah so i think that's honestly part of why i ended up with four cats instead of two is that I felt like that gave me a little bit better chance against Vader and his jets or riots. And and I guess it seems a little bit counterintuitive because it's trading somebody like Hondo down for, for a pair of cats, but those jets that can get everywhere on the map, their proximity to you means that you can get more move five and pounce attacks on those jets yeah so you will two shot a jet and that means that there is one fewer jet on the board and yeah you'll probably lose one of your cats to to repro or to to return fire from somebody else but if you bring two cats in to take out one jet and you only lose one cat and then you rinse cycle repeat two more times okay suddenly they're down to one jet and you're down to one cat. That's that's, and you still have your hunters who have hopefully stayed out of Vader's range and and powered up a little bit. That's not a bad position to be in. So yeah, that's it, true. It, it it doesn't always work out that way. But I, I sort of don't mind. Same thing with riots. Like they will be in your face, which means that you can be pouncing and getting multiple attacks on them, as opposed to just sitting back. And that is at least how it panned out in. Nova prep where I was running against a decent amount of Vader. So I don't know, JK, you also get to run against Scott's Vader. So maybe you have different thoughts. Yeah. JK, what, what do you think about that? Uh, it scares me. Uh, I don't, I'm, that's honestly what I'm trying to figure out. Like I, cause I played against Matt and it was close. I basically just couldn't kill Thrawn when I needed to, uh-huh. um, because he, he like legitimately from the start tucked Thrawn away like twenty spaces away. Yeah, he just he just knows he's like Thrawn's gonna eat your cards, and I'm never gonna put him in a place where you can attack. You. Yeah, so he was there for like three like he didn't move forward for like three turns, and he just kind of threw uh, evade tokens and block tokens on jets and just kind of waited. And I just little misplays here and there, but like I think you can do damage to Vader. I just haven't played it. That being said, I. I actually killed Vader with a Jawa, I believe. Uh, just how wow. things, how things played out. He had like one hit point left, and I just sort of rolled for it, and I was like, "Oh, whatever." Um, yeah, who cares? Because I did, yeah. Because I had Greedo and Onar. Onar did like eight or something like that, and then Greedo did like four or something, and then he and then I had cats, and so I could have grabbed him wherever, and so he went forward, and then he couldn't. Oh, yeah, long story short, I got Vader, but I couldn't get forward enough. I couldn't do enough outswise. Yeah. And, I mean, the issue is, which maybe is the reason why Jason's list has a superior quality to it, is I didn't have – I used all my cards to kill Vader. And so from that point on, it's basically raw versus raw. And yeah. his raw is a little bit better than mine because jets are good and Thrawn is stupid. and <laughs> All um, statements that are true. Yeah. And he had doubt, and so I was like – I was constantly losing, you know, if I used all my focus, he got rid of a hide. If I used all my, like, yeah. it was constantly one turn behind on everything. He didn't really get rid of any great cards with Thrawn, but, um, but yeah, I, it's kind of the same as, as, as bad of an answer as this is, it's kind of the same as everything else. You, you do everything you can to kill Vader as fast as you can. And then hopefully you have enough to kill everything else. What's left. Yeah. The nice thing about, about cats is they are actually really good at objective control. If you just want to throw them around. Cause they can take random objectives all the time. Like we played on propaganda and they took every 
middle um, poster round one. And then I, you know, if he wanted to come in there, he had to face some shots. So, yeah, I actually found that to be the case. I think Ball's map is so scarily good for the cats because they can hide in lots of places. Like you, they can get in, be in places where they cannot be shot and they can get you like anywhere. And not only that, especially posters, their movement speed is off the charts. I mean, just insane. Like JK, we, we played a game where JK was able to get every single poster in the middle room with his cats. And, you know, like, what, what, what am I going to do against that? And also, not only that, but they're in a position where I can't really get to them unless I want to commit Han more than I would like to. And so, oh man, it just gets really scary. Yeah, and I think that's some of what you do against a an empire list is you figure out with your card draw really in that first round, am I going to go for Vader or am I going to try to either just take out jets and play objectives or, or play pure objectives and points. And, and I've built in, I, I'm sort of a weird believer in balanced lists that can pivot in any of three directions of kill, objective, or points through cards and i was the fool running uh pickpocket with specter <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so it, it gave me points and it swung some games but it sort of uh, i liked the ability to to just lean into a points race when i needed to and and i've got some of those tricks in my cat's list where i'm, I'm picking up points in ways other than just being reliant on killing vader and and the cats when you have Wild Fury, and to the limit, you have the possibility of a cat doing three attacks to a Vader in your face. And wow. that, if two of them are focused and a damage token on one of them, and you're able to tap Zillow, I mean, it, it's really swingy. I mean, if Vader's going to roll six blocks, you're, you can do that and come away with three damage on Vader after three attacks. If Vader's going to roll something lower and you can come away with 10 damage on Vader. I've, I've seen both. And and so it's really swingy, but like Vader is is still potentially vulnerable to cats. Once that pierce starts adding up and, and Zillow has been tapped. Wow. Oh man, that is very, very scary. Okay. Let's talk about for the next um, month to have, well, I guess a few weeks for us, JK, assuming you run cats at our regional and month and a half for Jason. What are you thinking about exploring in terms of, JK, have you thought about going double cats? Are you just going to go with this cats as a supplement to Hunter Alpha? What are you thinking in terms of what do you want to experiment with? And then, Jason, same question, but obviously in the reverse. Um, I haven't thought about going double cats. I just, like, I'm not against it. I just hadn't really used it as a as a starting off point because I, I wanted to lean more Hunters. Um, yeah. I'm sure I'm going to try. Like there's there's no sense in not trying it, uh, because they, uh, I mean, you'd have to be a fool to listen to Jason and not and not not believe what he was saying right there. <laughs> I know. Jeez. Um, but at the same time, I I think mostly I'm just gonna stick with this general format and I, it's practice against Scott. See what's see what's going on. Um, yes. See what I can do with Vader, what I can't do with Vader, and then just kind of. Yeah, play it from there. If, like, uh, you know, if if we get a map rotation, there uh, there could be a different thing. But at this point, I are we gonna ever leave these three maps? I don't know. <laughs> good, good question. Yeah. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, so I I think I'm I'm doing two things. I think over the next few months, I'm going to try a little bit more of DT's strategy of playing more variety of stuff just to have exposure to it. Yes. And that's sort of different from how I've normally just said, I'm going to play my list and learn it inside and out and do only it. And so I I think that'll be helpful. It'll also help keep people from being as exposed to cats or get sort of past that learning curve of where they know what to do exactly against them. Yeah. So, but, but that being said, I think I'm going to run a variant of, of the double cats list for, our regional um like i said i'm playing around with spies i do sort of like the nine act cats list that i've seen i think victor jack and he might have just gotten top four and polish nationals with 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 that 
Uh, I don't know exactly what he ran, but I know he had been running cats some on Vassal. So I, I might experiment a little bit with that nine act list just to guarantee last activation. But those those are sort of the the ways that I am playing around at this point. Man, the thought of a nine act cat list with spies, I just I don't even know what to say. I just hate hate everything that that represents come to the cat side <laughs> no i mean actually i do really i uh, i was talking to jk about this i would love to play like a, a cat's list with greedo and vinto this just like swarm the boar nickel and dime your opponent to death i mean it just seems like a really really fun list to play yeah and uh, um i do think that like i i think of the nine act list and i don't know like I don't know what everyone else is running because if I haven't if there's another eight act scum list then the nine act becomes huge, but I mean really I'm worried about the box which is seven maybe eight acts, um, yeah. And then Vader which all I need is seven acts. Yeah. Then I don't like that ninth one doesn't matter as much, but I probably should still take a look at it and see what what I can do with it. Um, just just in case just to see where it goes i, I think once you get to nine acts you're going to struggle more against vader yes because I think that's right. what, what you've done is you've traded out and you've gotten r2 in there you've gotten a jawa in there you've, you've gotten some people that cannot do any damage on vader and that that gets a little bit challenging i think and and we've seen i mean i think where we've seen the nine act and where we've seen a lot of eight act scum is in Europe, and, and you just haven't seen the Vader presence over there. I mean, even Arvidas was running scum, and I don't remember if uh, Tuco ran ran Vader, if he ran scum. But, I mean, you don't see people running Vader over there, and you, and you guys have a Vader presence in your meta, and I've got a Vader presence in my meta. So it, it, it definitely affects what you think about. I totally agree. I completely agree with that. Awesome. All right. Well, I have. I hope that everyone is sufficiently terrified. Um, let's do some closing thoughts. Jason, send send us off. What do you think? Like, what is it that you love most about the cats? Why should people be running them, or why maybe shouldn't people be running them? Like, why why should people not just jump off their particular bandwagon and run the cats? I think they're overrated, and I think nobody else should run them, so that J.K. and I can rule the universe. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll bet you are. Top top four at Worlds is all Lothcat lists. How, oh. how would that how would that work? The kitty ball. Man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Let's get serious. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in, in all seriousness, though, that I think the meta and diversity of what we're seeing do well is really really exciting right now. Yeah. I mean, it's seeing the universe that could have been last year without Spectre. And I think you have a lot of really interesting rock, paper, scissors puzzles of Vader does better than some things. Hunters do better than some things. Cats do better than some things. Foxes do better than some things. And the Hondrak Sabine type and Han Rangers. Like you've got so many different lists that can do well. Yep. And each of them lean into weaknesses of other lists in, in just a really neat, diverse way. And then you've got like, Jawa swarms and yeah. spy spy swarms or whatever it was that, that yeah, the finished top, second top at Gen four Con. Or two, yeah, that was crazy. That was nuts. Oh. The list was nuts. Yeah, so I mean, I think it, 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 it had Mern, I think. Oh, Mern, that's did right. Have Mern. Yeah. So, so you've got just such such variability of what people can run to success, and and that's really I, I'm I'm super excited about worlds, especially now that we've seen okay, there's a last chance qualifier. We can have people show up and have a couple days worth of world's fun. I'm, I'm pumped about it, and I hope everybody else is starting to get excited about it too. Well, that's actually one thing. Um, JK, actually, give us your closing thoughts, and then I do want to talk about worlds for a hot minute. Um, kitties are, cats are fun. Like they're, they're so interesting to just be able to run and jump somewhere. Just yeah. to like want to be somewhere and be there and attack. Um, I think it makes... I think they're they're not easy to play because you do have to weigh some pros and cons. You have to figure out when to when to commit, when to like lay back. But I think even even just practicing with them will help cuz like I've started thinking about thinking about 
list building a little bit different just by using them be just because I'm like, okay, like the reason this is happening is this, like terminal control could be this. If someone does this to me, this is what I do. And so like, uh, like Jason was saying, there's, there's probably eight lists that could take worlds. Like it's, yeah. it's not a, it's nothing cut and dry. And so I like give them a shot. Uh, if you're, you know, Vader is going to be good. Han is good. You know, I think IG is still going to be really good. Um, Although, wait a second. Don't you think IG really suffers with cats being in the meta? Yeah, uh, to, to a point. Um, I think if you can extra armor him, it can blunt Helps. some of that damage. But yeah, I mean, it hurts a lot. Uh, I, and I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it does. And so I don't want to like overstep because. Oh, yeah, it, it does this or it does. Yeah, that, like right? I, IG has been really been out of the meta for a hot, for a hot minute. Um, but I don't think that's completely the case. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, IG's definitely in danger of being two shot by the cat before he's able to to do his blaze thing. I, I think but I think you just play IG a little bit more like you might play Han or Dracata and handcuff them to three PO. Yep. Give them extra armor and and sort of play them a little bit more conservatively. Yeah, I think you have to do that because man, the prospect of get IG dying before and it's not even dying before, like unless IG playing Blaze, and if he doesn't kill like all four of your cats, it's like who cares, right? Like he kills two cats, and then they're like, all right, well now you're dead, you know, right. because you got up here in order to do the thing you needed to do. Yep. Yeah, it's terrifying. Okay, well, with that being the case, actually, so Jason brings up worlds, which I want to talk about for a quick minute because this is what I am. I am going to be filled with the spirit of prophecy and tell you guys this is what's going to happen. I do not think the FFG is going to officially announce that IA is not Worlds only, although they might do that. However, what we heard over the week end or week in the past week is that they're planning on having an 80 person Worlds with an 80 person last chance qualifier. I do not I cannot attest to the literal accuracy of either of those numbers. But I've got on um, pretty good authority that that's what we're going to have. Jason, that's, are you- that's what it shows on the spreadsheet for Adepticon, where they have all of the events listed, all 450 or 500 events that they have, and the, the number of spaces for each. And okay. that showed up just last week. It had been not there for a while, and they'd been saying they were waiting on FFG stuff. So it's that's what's on their official spreadsheet. Same as Legion Worlds having two heats and, and everything else. So. Okay. Maybe that's as official as we get these days, but I, 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 signups start at, at Epticon, I think, December 8th. So it's uh, they are in the range of getting people to sign up for actual events and now have it on their spreadsheet. OK, so with that being the case, what we know is going to happen is that they're going to have this 80 person last chance qualifier with an 80 person Worlds tournament. Now, depending on the number of people who qualify for Worlds in terms of having an invite to Worlds, those people will take up that number of seats in the tournament. I am positive that every other seat will be open in terms of um, they will just try and fill seats in. So let's say we've got, you know, 15 people who have invites to Worlds and choose to buy tickets. And I don't even think that number is unrealistic because we're talking about people who have topped at Nationals or continentals and a lot of people from europe just can't go right like they can't justify spending thousands of dollars on plane tickets for a three-person tournament so we're gonna have i don't know maybe six people eight people from europe come and maybe more like who, who knows but like remember these these had to be people who win who win invites it's not just people who want to pay then it's going to be the people who have topped at gen con or the other um, big tournaments in the U.S., so like LVO is coming up, and then regional winners. So those people will take up seats, and then I am sure that every other seat is going to be, you show up for the last chance qualifier, and whatever the number is, they're going to say, okay, you know, if we had 15 or 20 people who have tickets and decide to show up, 60 seats are open. That is what I anticipate will happen. What do you think, Jason? I think that seems right. I'm a little bit more optimistic in terms of numbers of people that will show who have invites. I mean, I think the eight from from Gen Con are pretty regionally close. That's true. At least the three of us that from North Carolina that got top four at Nova, we're all going to Worlds. 
I think it sounds like you've got the Gals and Isaac, and you'll probably have some of the usual suspects like Luke Sykes and Arvidas and Javier and Gil from France who came to a couple different events here just for Nova and stuff like that. So I'm confident we might get at least 10 to 15 from Europe just out of people that that won those seats. So I, I, I think we could have 30 to 35 people that earn seats that show up. But I think you're right. What they do with the excess is people who show up for the last chance qualifier will will qualify into the main event. And yeah. The, I think that'd be great. The only thing I am concerned about, which is why I think that if you are planning on going to worlds, you, you should buy into this last chance qualifier. I am worried that if they only have 12 people or whatever who sign up for this last chance qualifier, that they will then constrict the number of people who can gain admittance to the tournament. And that, and that doesn't matter because if only 12 people show up for the last chance qualifier, then if those 12 people get in, that's fine. But if then, you know, in a month after um, Worlds opens, if people who haven't got a seat, like, you know, let's say Scott, by the grace of God, beats me at a, our regional and JK beats me at LVO. And that, again, would be miraculous. Wouldn't it um, be Gothamex Grace? Isn't that <laughs> what it would be? It would be Gothamex. Oh, daggum pagans. Anyway, so if they beat me, but I, obviously I want to go. But, you know, by the time LVO rolls around, this is a month or two after um, Adepticon seats have opened up. And they have decided that because only, you know, 12 or 16 people or whatever decided to show up for the last chance qualifier, that they are then constricting the number of people who can actually gain minutes to world. People like me would then be out of luck. And I think that is that is the thing that I am worried about. So I am strongly encouraging people that if you want to go to Worlds, sign up for this last chance qualifier under the assumption that you are going to be able to make it in. I am. I mean, obviously, there are no guarantees, but I think that it is very likely that you'll be able to do so. And Jason and the IACP guys are working on making sure that we have got sweet swag. Um, I'm going to we're going to be coming up with something like we're going to do everything we can to make this an awesome, awesome world experience. And last year was such a blast. We all went out to, to eat. We played games. We went out to eat a few times. Actually, we had great conversation. We played games. It was just an awesome time. So Again, you know, for people who want to continue with the ICP, that's awesome. But for people who are thinking about this kind of being the final sh- uh, send off, sign up for Worlds early, and I promise it will be it'll be worth your while. So, all right, Jason, J.K., you guys got any concluding thoughts for me? <laughs> Good, J.K. See, see you guys at Worlds. Let's get some pizza and pasta together. Yes, pasta <laughs> up. Oh my gosh. You hear that call? <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll let you go. Jason, we want to thank you for coming on. JK, I want to thank you for coming back so soon. We want to thank everybody for listening. Encourage everyone to have an amazing Thanksgiving and let's have fun as we're getting into our regional season. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks too. Bye. Appreciate it. Bye.